Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Good morning, still. Glad you're here. I've been preaching over 40 years, and I'm going to preach a message today I've never preached. And uh, I, uh, I may offend you, and I may touch some sacred cows, uh, but I want you to listen because what I'm telling is truth from the Word of God, okay? Father, we ask for your grace, your mercy, your anointing, your impartation. We believe, Lord, that you want the church to arise in this day as never before. So I pray that you would allow us to have hearing ears and believing hearts. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I, I, I have to describe to you, I keep getting these messages going in and out of sleep. It happened again last night. What I'm going to tell you is what I received during the night. Um, <clears throat> so, here goes. I'm going to do two parts. I'm going to continue from last week. Actually, we were going to do a whole message on the power of confession in the Word of God. I'm not doing that today. I'm going to insert just a little bit. I'm going to take you up to the 40,000-foot level, and then I'm going to dive down and explain everything to you. So are you with me? I'm going, to t- I'm going to talk to you about things that you won't hear in most churches. So please understand. The first part. We've been talking about the kingdom of God. I always start with the kingdom because if you don't get the kingdom right, you don't get your life right. You are a member of the kingdom of God once you ask Jesus into your life. There's only two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. When you ask Jesus in your heart, you entered the kingdom of God, and that kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and it's an eternal kingdom, and it operates in the whole universe. God is the author and the finisher of this entire kingdom, and we're part of it. We're citizens and, and sons and daughters of the king. You sang about it today. I still don't think you believe what you sing. You sang everything I was going to do in the message. But I think we get so involved in the music part, we don't understand the word part. But please listen. So we see that uh, we're members of the kingdom of God. So who are we really? Who are we? Well, we're sons and daughters of the king. We're citizens of the kingdom. I don't think you understand what a kingdom is because you voted all your life. Americans don't understand kingdoms. Yeah. 
We vote people into place. You don't vote God into place. He's the king. We're his subjects. He's a benevolent king, yet he's the king. And we must understand that. In, when we enter the kingdom of God, you enter with a commission. The commission or the preamble to our kingdom constitution is be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, subdue it, and take dominion. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. That's our commission. Two chapters later, Adam and Eve sinned. God didn't remove the commission. We still have the commission. We still have the mandate. We still have our assignment. Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and take dominion. <clears throat> Two words, subdue and take dominion. What does it mean? It means we're at war. To subdue something, you have to have an adversary. To take dominion, you have to have an adversary. We have an adversary, the devil, who wants to take you out of the kingdom of God. He wants to remove your influence. But God has given us a mandate. And with that mandate, he gives us tools and resources. Therefore, we're not without power. God wouldn't ask you to overcome the devil without giving you power to overcome the devil. So who are we? Well, we're, we're people who were on death row. God freed us. We were in the, in the garbage dump, in the garbage heap. God freed us. God took us all out of it. I mean, we could go down a whole list of who we are in Christ. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And there, there's hundreds of things we are. When you're in Christ, everything according to scripture, is brand new. You, you, you serve another God, another king, and the rules are different in the kingdom of God than they are in the kingdom of darkness. <clears throat> Stay with me. Your role in the kingdom is to destroy the works of the evil one. That's your role. It didn't diminish when Jesus, or when God himself gave us that, that commission, that mandate. Now, let's talk about, because I want to complete last week a little bit, let's talk about the tools and aspects of the kingdom. See, if you, I, I keep saying this, if you don't understand the kingdom, you will not understand what it is to, be, to have spiritual life. It doesn't make sense. When I first, when I began to understand, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you, when I began to realize that, I finally understood the power of spiritual life and even church and Christianity. Without understanding the kingdom, you won't understand Christianity. Because Christianity isn't just a devotional. Christianity isn't a religion. Christianity is a part of a kingdom. And if you don't understand kingdom, see, kingdom has little to do with your feelings and all to do with the law. There's laws in the kingdom. It has to do with, with mandates and, and legal, le a legal entity. Actually, God gave us the Bible as kind of a constitution. <clears throat> so what happened last week, we talked about some tools of the kingdom. Let's talk about characteristics, tools, and aspects of the kingdom. We talked about faith last week. 
We, we, we mentioned that faith is the currency of the kingdom. Didn't we do that? It's the currency of the kingdom. And we, we, we talked about uh, we were born to rule, not with uh, over, overwhelming rule. Our rule is, is from a, a heart of love and serving. But we're to rule over creation, over darkness. We're to take authority over it. But we have to do it within the realm of faith. Now, let me try to describe faith to you. Faith is going into the unseen realm of the future and bringing back what you see and hear by the power of the Word of God from the eternal realm to the temporary realm. That's what faith is. Faith is hearing the Word of God. Faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing. Didn't say having heard. Faith isn't living in the past. Faith is living in the now and hearing today what I need for life today, not even tomorrow. And it's going into a future realm, an eternal realm, a realm of the unseen and bringing it back into the present. We talked talked about pizza last week. Remember I talked about pizza? You go to a pizza parlor you pay for it, you get your receipt, and you get your number. You put the number on the table so everyone can see it. So when the, when the person who makes the pizza comes out, he will know where the pizza goes by the number. It's the same way with faith. You have a receipt of the promises of God in the word of God. And when you go into the unseen realm, you come back and you put your number on the table of your life so that God knows that who he needs to give the pizza to. Now you have to understand that. And if, if, you're going to, if, if, you're, if you're going to live in this realm, it's going into the unseen realm and, and bringing back the, that, that, uh, that promise. And the promise is given to you by the number. God's looking for those who have faith, who have put their number on their table and have paid for it by the receipt of God. Believe it and you receive it. The Bible says, my faith is not just abiding faith, it's active. It's faith is not the absence of doubt, it's the presence of belief. And so I could go on and on. I want to go to prayer. I want to review prayer. So faith is the first thing in the kingdom of God. Then we go to prayer. What is prayer? Prayer works with faith. How does it work with faith? Prayer works with faith because it does the same thing. Prayer, and I want to quote John G. Lake again. He said, the church has been negligent in one thing. She has not prayed the power of God out of heaven. There's two priorities of prayer according to the Lord's prayer. Two priorities. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be be thy name. What what this means is when we get into prayer, our our primary focus is praising God, honoring God, having intimacy with God, getting to know God. I mentioned last week, if you're going to have only 10 minutes of prayer, spend at least eight praising and worshiping God. <clears throat> then the second aspect of prayer, and you know, we can talk about supplication and everything else. I'm not going into, I'm just giving you a simple way that you can understand it. And the second priority of prayer is to bring his kingdom to earth. It's to establish his dominion over the needs of mankind. That's what you do in prayer after you spend time with God. 
to bring his kingdom to earth because we're ambassadors of the king. We're citizens of the kingdom. We're children of God. And so we come into his presence. I mentioned that the best way to get into the presence of God is through worship. Worship, when we worship, God inhabits the praises of his people and, and something happens at, at, at that point. And when the believer prays according to the revealed word of God, faith grabs a hold of that reality and, and doesn't let go and brings it into the present. Every revelation that God gives us of heaven is to equip us with a prayer focus. And the question I asked last week, which is probably unanswerable, so how much of heaven has God purposed to become manifest here on earth? You see, this is what, what, what God wants us to understand. If it is not free to exist in heaven, it must be bound here. And whatever we see in heaven, we bring to earth. So if, it's, if there's healing in heaven, you bring it to earth. You read some of the stories of those who've gone to heaven and almost every one of them will talk about the warehouses of heaven with healing and promises inherent within them that we haven't accessed. So when a person needs, a, needs prayer for, for something, begin to access it by faith into heaven and bring that, that newness, that freshness back into the present. See, when we pray for his kingdom to come, we are asking him to superimpose the rules, order, and benefits of his world over this one until this one looks like his. That's what happens when the sick are healed. The kingdom of heaven arrived. That's what, what happens when the demonized are freed and liberated. The kingdom of heaven arrived. That's what happened when you gave your life to Jesus. The kingdom of heaven arrived. And that's what we must understand. Faith leads to prayer. And then the third thing I want to talk about, which I did with the, the CYA last Sunday night, I want to talk about the third aspect. And I don't have time to go. I have six to eight messages I'm combining right now. Because you got to catch this. you got to catch the kingdom. And then I'm going to shift and do something else. Because you have to understand this if we are going to win the second part. The third area that we need to understand is we need to be a church of power. There's a, there, there's a, 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 um, a need in the church. I believe we're, we're in need of power in the church today. We have a desperate need. And what has happened, it's kind of like what happened in Texas recently. Once you get unplugged from the power grid, you don't have any power. Once we're unplugged from God's power grid, you have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. What happened? You're unplugged. Now watch this. Luke 24, 49. Jesus says, behold, I'm going to send the promise of my father upon you. Say upon you. Upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So he said, I'm going to send the promise of the Father upon you. He didn't, even he didn't even describe what the power was. He didn't describe that it was the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> but then he, we go to Acts 1.8. We enter the book of Acts, which is a, new, a whole new portal for the disciples. Acts 1.8 comes. It says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. 
But you have to have the Holy Ghost come upon you before you have power. When the Holy Ghost comes, you will have power. And the power is to be upon you. I got so much in my brain right now. Acts 2. Later, when, when, when Peter gets up and starts preaching, he starts, and it shall be in the last day that I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young, your old men shall dream dreams. And he goes on prophesying the power of God. And you know what he says? He's prophesying out of Joel, Joel 2. He's living in Acts 2. And he says, this is that. That's what he said. He said, this is the prophecy that Joel said. And then he began to, to speak the word of God with power. I mean, the Peter who was, who was ashamed to describe the gospel of Jesus Christ and ran from the little handmaiden is now preaching with boldness. What happened? The power came upon him. Upon him. Acts is the portal of upon me. Upon you. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be bold. You cannot live as a Christian and live powerful unless you have the Holy Spirit come upon you. You must be baptized in the Holy Spirit and you must be filled with the Holy Spirit and live in the context of the Holy Spirit. Now, you can go ahead and live a Christian life and go to heaven. That's all good. But you were not meant to be a normal Christian believer. You were meant to be an empowered believer. And that means you need the Holy Spirit. That's what changed my life. For 23 years of my life, I lived without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. At 23, I got empowered. It changed everything. I wouldn't be in this room. You wouldn't be here because there would be no church unless I'd been empowered by the Holy Spirit when I was 23 years of age. God, God gave words to Connie and I. And it was all because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You see, you have a destiny in front of you, but you will never reach it unless the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's why I implore you, seek the Holy Spirit. Seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Live with the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Holy Spirit. Run with the Holy Spirit. He's their paraclete. He's your comforter. He's your help at all times. You cannot go one chapter in the book of Acts without the word power on it. The whole book of Acts is the book of power. Faith, prayer, Holy Spirit and power. Fourth, you still with me? Fourth is the proclamation of the word. We are to be a church of proclamation. We are to understand the power of God's word and proclaim it throughout all the earth. And I want to say it this way. I think next to holiness... Power is the greatest need in the church today. We don't have, the church, most churches aren't holy, most churches, and holy just means this, to being separated to God. It doesn't mean to live by a set of rules. It's not what it means. But the source of all power, watch this, the source of all power is the word of God. He created everything by his own word. He spoke everything into existence. It was the word of God. 
For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Psalm 33.9, for he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Isaiah 55.11, so shall you, it be my, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God creates by his word. You are made in the image of God, so you also create by your words. When you speak, you create either according to the book of Proverbs, either life or death. By your words, you create. You were made in the image of God. If you, if you prophesy and preach and testify and exhort all things that the Bible encourages to do, you will create life. It's, it comes out of you. Now, I have, to, I have to explain this to you because it's not, it's not well understood by us. But I want to, I have so many notes here. I want to try to explain this to you. Watch this. In, in Luke 137, it says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. That's the story of Mary. The angel comes to Mary and says, you're going, to be, you're going to be overcome by the Holy Spirit and you will bear the Messiah. And they're talking to each other. And Mary says, now this is, this is key. Mary says to the angel, according to your word, so be it done to me. As soon as she said that, she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Because that word, word, is the word rhema, which is a living word. Every other time it says the word, word, it's logos, which means it's a normal word. But when God empowers a word, it's rhema. It comes alive. You get rhema words once in a while. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, when you're reading the word of God, all of a sudden an enlightened word comes. That's a rhema word. And that rhema word comes with power and authority that it might be accomplished in you. That's what happened. In Jewish thought, when a person spoke a word, it was perceived to be a living thing. They would speak, it was like, it was like a supernatural protoplasm. It would come, go out of their mouths, for once out of the speaker's mouth, it, this is what they believed, it became distinct from that person. It had a life source of its own, though still representing the person who spoke it. And as a living thing, that word would accomplish precisely what was said. When God spoke, his power was in what he had to say. So the word of God here is, is, is a, as a living power with the ability to accomplish and fulfill the total purpose of God. That's why when you, when you agree with the word and speak the word of God out loud, it becomes a living worth with protoplasm, living protoplasm inherent within the word, distinct from you, but it will carry out and it will accomplish what, it was, spo what was spoken. That's how powerful the word is. The word is, is perceived as that. So you gotta hear the word, you have to receive the word, you have to confess the word, and you gotta obey the word. Now you have to understand this, God needs a voice in the earth. God is not going to speak out from heaven. He needs a voice, and since we're the body of Christ, we are his voice. If you will permit him, he will speak through you, and you will have that power to accomplish what he wants done. I don't think you caught that. 
Man, that's powerful. Two more things, and then I got to shift. So we have faith, prayer, Holy Spirit, the Word, and we have the name of God. The name of God is powerful. Every, God has many names. Jehovah Jireh is one of his names, meaning provider. So when you speak over someone or pray over someone, uh, let God be your provision. I declare Jehovah Jireh over you. You're declaring his name over your situation. The same thing with Jehovah Rapha. And we go down his scores of names that he has, and you can declare those or proclaim those over people, and it will be done. The next one, the last one, I'm going to say this and then I shift. Because you have to understand all these things that you have as a kingdom of God's citizen. The sixth, sixth aspect is the blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Why in the world would God ask the children of Israel to put blood on the doorpost and littles of their house? Why didn't he just say, put some mud? Because there's power in the blood. It was a foreshadowing of the blood of Jesus. It was taken from a, from a perfect lamb. And the, there's power in the blood. The death angel could not enter any place that had the blood on the doorpost and lintel of their house. If you have the blood of Jesus on the door of your heart, the death angel has to go over you. He cannot come to you. You are protected. You need to start learning how to appropriate the blood of Jesus. Okay, you understand all that? <laughs> Man, I did six messages in 10 minutes. Okay. You understand, that's what the kingdom of God is all about. You have an assignment, you have, you have your tools, you have your characteristics. Now we shift. We go to Psalms chapter 2. Psalms 2 is an interesting uh, psalm. And I shift to this because it's very important that, uh, that we understand our role now in the world today. Because we're a part of the kingdom of God and we're the ecclesia. The ecclesia is the church, the called out ones. In fact, in early, early uh, church history, the ecclesia was also known as the Senate. What is a Senate? A Senate is a governmental body that decides what is issued forth, what laws are to be written. We are the church. We are the Senate. According to Matthew 16, 18, we bind and loose. We have the keys of the kingdom. But we go to Psalms 2, now follow me. Psalms 2 says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves <clears throat> and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. And verse 4 said, He who sits in the heavens shall laugh and the Lord shall hold them in derision. Let me describe this to you, and then I'm going I'm to go into practical areas here. We see that this scripture is about a premeditated crime of purpose. We see the nations of the earth and the peoples of the earth are planning and carrying out by deliberate design a premeditated crime of purpose. They have set themselves against God. They have taken up a position against God. The nations take up a position that they, have, that, that they have had enough of the Judeo-Christian religion. They've had enough of Western civilization. 
It's almost like they have taken a vote and passed a United Nations resolution that they are formally and firmly united in their desire to get rid of God. That's what Psalms 2 is all about. This rebellion is not something imposed on the masses. It's something they have grabbed a hold of. They're united in an effort to get rid of God. They take counsel to get rid of Christianity. It's happening now. To get rid of the Bible, to get rid of God. This hatred is against the person of God and the Messiah. And you're just in it because you love him. This rebellion is also against the hated precepts of God. Men want to get rid of the cords and the, and the bands, or shall we say the restraints which the Bible imposes on society. The moral and ethical teachings of the Bible are repugnant to the rebellious heart. This is a world where the time-honored Bible restraints are thrown off and men now develop their own system of morality. This morality lets them do as they please without being faced with the warnings of God. They find what the Bible says about the sanctity of marriage, sexual purity, gender, dualism, reverence for those in authority. They see it as unacceptable. So this rebellion finds its focus in universal hatred of God's person. And God laughs at him. As he hears man and their plans to rid the planet of God, he simply says, uh, Michael, take a dozen angels and take care of it. That's how foolish it is. Now, we go to, we understand the evil now has entered the planet. We go to Matthew chapter 24, verse 37. It says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the time of the coming of the Son of Man. What was happening during the days of Noah? Well, most evil period of time in man's history up to that time. If you go back and research history and look how evil it was, you will be shocked. I don't even recommend you do it. It's that bad. But he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the time of the coming of the Son of Man. We have now entered another era of evil. I'm here to describe it to you, to tell you where we're at and what we must do about it. That's why Noah said, it says in Hebrews eleven seven, it says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of God, of things, not, of things yet unseen, built an ark to the saving of his household. What did he do? He built an ark so he could save his household. What is an ark typifying? It's the house of God. It's the church. I'm telling you, I wish I had time to do this today, to go through this whole thing. I'm telling you, God has, a, has, has something in mind where he's going to save the church He's going to put us in a refuge. He's going to put us in an ark. If you go to, I don't have time to do this today. If you go to Revelation 12 and read the whole thing, you will see what happens with the dragon, the woman, God, and the seed. They'll overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, not loving their life unto the death. But there's more to it than that. So we're, now we're back to evil. He said, uh, 
As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be a time of the coming of Son of Man. We're getting close to the end. We have evil like we've never seen it before. The problem in the church, we don't like to be told about that. It's too dastardly for us to even imagine, and it really is. But let's go back to the Old Testament. In Genesis 3.15, it says, God comes to the snake, Adam and Eve, and prophesies to the serpent this way. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise or crush your head, the offspring of the woman, and you shall bruise his heel. What does that tell us? Since the serpent came into the garden, there's been a battle for the seed. You've got to stay with me. Since the beginning of time, there's a battle of the seed. How do I know that? Well, you go to, go to the Bible. When a deliverer was coming to deliver Israel, what happened? Moses is being born. There's an edict, a mandate goes out. Kill the kids. Kill the seed. Because Satan knows it's the seed that's going to kill him. It's the seed that's going to crush his head. So he's always looking for the seed. During the time of Jesus, edict goes out from Herod. Kill the kids. Every time there's a deliverer, I'm telling you, another deliverer is here, and the edict has gone out from hell itself. Kill the kids. Kill the seed. Destroy it. Because if he can destroy the seed, he thinks he can delay his ultimate death and destruction. Whoa. So he's at it again. We have a battle of the seed. Uh, Revelation 12 talks about the dragon stands by the woman who's giving birth to the baby to devour the baby. But God saves the baby. And you go through the whole chapter. It's a, it's a story of the plot, the plot and the plan of the devil to destroy every seed he can find, but how God always preserves them. Read it. Okay, now I'm going to get to some things. I'm going to shake your boots a little bit here. You got you to listen to me. People aren't talking enough about this, and they need to. The plot is hard at work. The enemy wants the seed of your children. How do I know that? Abortion. Abortion is child sacrifice. It's been with us since the time of Molech in the Old Testament. Molech was this, was this evil god who they would put their children through the fire in. That spirits don't die, so that same spirit of Molech is here. Trying to destroy the children in the womb. Get the seed. I'm telling you, anybody who stands for abortion needs to repent right now. And I, I'm not, I'm trying. I'm not here. I'm not here to get mad at people because our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual principalities and powers. People have simply believed lies. I'm telling you the truth. 
Now the second thing. If, if, the, if the devil can't get, it in, get the, the seed in the womb, he's going to get him right outside the womb. Do you know child trafficking is the worst it's ever been in the history of the world? It has superseded gun running and drug running for money. Do you know in America, 800,000 children go missing every year? Do you know there, if you've watched the news at all, which not much news helps anymore, I know more than they do. In fact, do you know in the early church, in, in early America, it was the pastors that told you the news. So I'm telling you the news now. Uh, if you will watch carefully, you will see on the back pages of newspapers how they're saving children in cities. Child traffickers being grabbed by 75 here, 37 there. And they don't always tell how many children. We're talking about hundreds and thousands of children being saved. It's hideous. There's a, there's a brand new movie. I would recommend you, you watch it when it comes out. I'd like to get it here to preview it in this building. It's called The Sound of Freedom. It's about child trafficking. Tim Ballard is a hero in my mind. He's a man who, is, who has worked in saving children for dozens of years. This is the story, the true story of Tim Ballard, illustrated by Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel's the actor who played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ. What a man of God. They just previewed this movie in Las Vegas last weekend. 400 people showed up. Not one of them left with dry eyes. Most of them said they wept through the whole thing because it illustrates what is happening in America and around the world. Child trafficking. If, that, if they don't get you that way, they'll get you with child sacrifice. I didn't like yesterday. Yesterday was a full moon. And demons love full moons. I could tell the fight that was going on. But we as the church have got to learn to take authority. We got to be the king's kids. We got to learn we have those weapons of warfare. Our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God of the tearing down of strongholds. We've been issued a mandate and a command and a commission to destroy the works of the evil one. As the church, that's what we should be doing. And if they can't get you in all of that, pedophilia is a worldwide scourge. I can't go into detail. If I did, it would curl your hair. People you wouldn't believe are involved in it. And I'm telling you right now, God is not pleased. Jesus said, you touch a little child and it's better that a millstone be hanged or put around your neck and you dropped in the, end, the bottomless sea. That's how much he says, suffer the little children to come unto me. Jesus has a heart for children. He loves the seed. And he's raising up a 
He's raising up a seed right now, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood that cannot be matched. I'm telling you, you, you've got to arise. You've got to wake up. We all need to wake up. We, there, there is a Holy Ghost anointed awakening that's happening, I believe, in the church and around the world right now. I'm going to tell you some more things. Um, the paradigm has shifted. It's no longer Democrats and Republicans. It's good or evil. There's bad Democrats. There's bad Republicans. But I'm telling you right now, I'm not happy with the Biden administration. I'm just telling you right out. I don't care if you don't like me. I don't care if you voted for Biden or Trump. That's not the issue. It's about good and evil. Why do I say that? I'm not happy with the Congress right now. They voted on, an, the House voted this week on, on a bill called equality. It's none of equality. It's just the opposite, inequality. What it does, what it does, it allows, it allows gender confusion. It allows men to go into women's bathrooms. It allows men to participate with, with children. It's evil. It would, it, would, it would mandate that we have to have government-authorized people within the church that line up with their philosophy. I'm not going to let that happen. Now, you need to call your senators. The Senate will probably be voting on it this week. Call them, tell them you're, you're disappointed. In fact, call every senator you can in every state. Call Joe Manchin from West Virginia. He's a key person. Call him and say, we do not agree, and we want you to vote no on the Equality Act. It's the most hideous. I mean, I, I went and researched it, and I, I, I actually uh, counseled with some of the people that I, I trust, and they're all saying it's the worst bill they've ever seen going through the Congress. I'm not happy with all the 52 executive orders when you have zero, zero major legislation coming out of the House and Senate and all the executive orders coming. Now, I'm a constitutionalist. You have to understand, I know the Constitution better than you do. And I'm telling you right now, the Constitution says Laws come from the legislature, not from the executive branch. Now, I don't, and I don't have time to go into that. My whole point is, we, we the church have got to stand up. We, we have to become the church in, in such powerful ways. You see, if, if Satan can't get the seed in the womb, if you can't get them when they're young, he'll get them later with drugs and Rebellion and suicide. He'll get them however he can. Just get the seat. But I'm telling you, there's a church that's arising. It's going to be powerful in the earth. And we've got to, we've got to see our way into this. You have to be alert. He says, don't be, don't be deceived by the wiles of the devil. Not wilds, but the wiles of the devil. The devices. Don't be deceived. You got to know what he's doing. And you have to know how to pray and take authority. You have authority. You, under, you have to understand that. 
You have authority, and he knows it, and you, if you know it, he's on his way out. It's all about the seed. Let me say one more thing about this. Oh, God, I wish I could take two days to talk to you about this. Okay. Okay, Barry, you stay, and I'll, I'll do it. Okay. The devil always... I want to say this carefully. The devil always tries to substitute with devious ways the ways of God. He has his own worship. He has his own word proclamation. He has his own communion. The body and the blood. I won't say any more than that. If you're an adult, you will understand what I'm saying. Because, see, the devil gives those... Can I just tell you, there's more Satan worship than you can realize. But we're the church. We have the power of the Bible. I mean, that's why I started with the kingdom of God. And so what, what the devil wants is people to worship him so he can try to give them power and prosperity and blessing, but he always keeps a chain on them. That's what he tried to do with Jesus, Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was in the wilderness and Jesus didn't, didn't bite the bait. So this is what we must do. Since it's all about the seed, we as the church must arise and do everything we can to protect the children. Mike Jimenez, are you here? Mike, you run, run down the aisle here. We are establishing a security protocol in the church like none other. Mike does this at Boise State, and we're implementing a security here in the church. Okay, this is Mike. Bless you, buddy. I want you, if you, if you want to be involved in security here, you talk to Mike. He's the real deal. You can kind of tell, you know, uh, but he's the real deal. And he's implementing that, and we're going to protect our kids. Okay, thank you. We want to have protection. We want to train up our children, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart. I, we, I told the executive team this week, we need to raise up another level of, chi- of children ministry in the house. And we're going to be doing that. We're going, to, we're going to go to a whole other level. I need more of you that have a ministry and a gift for training children, teaching children. What you must do is be a part of what we're doing, and you need to serve in one service and come to the other. The problem with Americans, we're in atrophy. What is that? atrophy happens when you don't use your gifts. You lose it. That's why when I had my knee and hip surgery, as soon as I had my surgery and I was awake, they had me moving my muscles again. The church has been atrophied. And we're not moving what we should be. And so we lose its use. Can I say, those of you who have gifts, start using your gifts. There's some amazing uh, children, uh, uh, teachers and instructors in this room that you should be using your your gift. There are, there are, and I just... uh, uh, appreciate our homeschoolers and our Christian schools and our yeah. Christian teachers in public school. Yeah. 
my word, we have, what an amazing gift. The coaches who are Christians, inputting to those children. Remember, it's all about the seed. Then, in this house, we've had no problem with this. It's called adoption. I have three grandchildren who are great. I call them great-grandchildren first service. It's, it's three grandchildren who are great, okay? <laughs> and I thank God for them. They're, they're precious to me. They're adopted. I mean, I look around, Scott and Willow, you just adopted one. I mean, I could go on and talk about all of you. There's scores of people, of, of adopted children in this room. Kingries, I think I saw you here. Shane and Kears. I mean, the list goes on. Now, that's not the, the only way. I'm just saying that adoption is some way we can actually bring children and save them and bless them. We, I mean, I, I admire Kate Wilson. Kate, are you here? Is Kate here? She was here. Stand up, Kate. Kate is... Now, for those of you who don't know... Kate's single, and she's adopted five children, and the sixth is on the way. Now, Kate, you're still working for health and welfare, right? And she also works for health and welfare in foster care, and she's promoting foster care in our church. Do you know our church is already known as the church that fosters? What we're doing, we're trying to take care of the seed. Now, Kate's, Kate's got some things in mind. My word, praise God, pray for her. Open houses for adopted kids, for foster care, for, I mean, it's just amazing. And we need as a church to rally together to do what is ever necessary to protect and train the seed. I guess I better close. Did you hear me this morning? It's all about the kingdom. It's all about taking authority. It's all about being on assignment. It's all about praying and acting. Using all of our resources and all of our, our tools and our weapons of warfare. Let me close with these two stories. In the 1700s, there was a group of people in Germany called the Moravians. They lived at Hernhut. They started praying one day, and they started praying for 24 hours a day. They did it for 120 years. Hernhut became the first Protestant missionary movement in the history of the church. They sent missionaries to Africa, to the Americas, to the east, and the four corners of the earth. John Wesley visited them and said, I wish I could, I never had to leave here, for I feel the deep presence of God. Their scripture was found in Leviticus 6.13. The fire must be kept burning in the altar continuously. It must not go out. A story is told of a group of teenage boys who left on a boat as missionaries. Teenagers. Their parents were weeping, knowing they might never see their children again. Again. 
the young men call back to their parents. Mom and dad, do not weep. We go for the lamb and the cross. Nations can be reformed through radical followers with revolutionary biblical principles to disciple all nations. That's our call. That's our mandate. Disciple all nations. Preserve the seed and train the seed. Now, I'm telling you right now, everyone, you have an assignment. You, you need to grab this message today and take on assignments. If it means running for office, if it means praying for people in office or praying for uh, what the mandate for the church is, we have an amazing prayer ministry in the church. I mean, we have a, a group me prayer app that is incredible. I've never seen so many miracles through prayer in all my life. I mean, we put a, a, a prayer request on there. It's like fleas on a dog. They just jump on it, start praying for it, and answered prayer happens. We have, we have prayer before the service. We have prayer nights. We, you need to be involved in prayer. Everyone can pray. You need to take an assignment. I, I had a, the Lord gave me a word today. If you're not in the kingdom and promoting the kingdom and, have, and working in your gift and your assignment, you're aiding and abetting the enemy. That's what he told me. We got to move in our gifts and our callings. It may mean you working in children's ministry or you taking a role in some way of foster care or adoption or help being, as a grandparent, adopt, as, you know, adopting some kids and in, in a sense and just being their, their, their spiritual uh, grandmas and papas. We need to see this happen. Because I believe that God's, God's, God's in activity to clean up the church and get us ready. I close with this, this story from an ancient myth. The ancient myth is about Hercules. He's a well-known figure in Greek mythology. I'm not, I'm not telling you this is Bible. But this is a story that will illustrate my point. According to legend, he was assigned the impossible task of cleaning the ox stables of King Aegeus. This king had 3,000 oxen housed in the stables, and they were especially blessed by the gods. King Aegeus had a little interest in cleaning the filthy stables, but one day, since they had not been cleaned in 30 years, Hercules was assigned the task of cleaning the stables in one day. Having succeeded in other tasks, he was not one to give up easily. As the story goes, there were two rivers flowing near the stables, not to be outdone by dung. Hercules made two openings in the stables, front and back, joined the two rivers together and diverted their course by a channel through the stables. They were cleaned in one day. Is it possible that the church has been so full of refuse, of cultural issues, of unbiblical ideas, treasures of the past that are now trash, methods once productive are useless. The church needs a cleaning. We need cleansing from the waste of yesterday. There are two mighty rivers, I believe, that we must provide the channel for. These two mighty rivers are the Spirit and the Word. 
Every time God wanted something to happen on earth, wanted to create something, the Spirit came and hovered, and the Word spoke. We need the, we need the two rivers of the Spirit and the Word to wash through our church, cleansing us and getting us ready for the power of God that he wants to bring on this church and every church in the land. It's time to arise. It's time to get ready. Don't step back. I'm telling you, this is, if, if you don't take a step of action after this, I don't know what else to do. We've got to move. The church has to arise. We're citizens of the kingdom and we have a mission and a mandate. Let's do it. Now, we don't do it. We're not here as, as ruling over people with, you know, ruler authority. We're here to serve and to love. Speak the truth in love. You shouldn't be coming against people. No, we're coming against spiritual principalities and powers. And we're declaring, the Bible says, if you, if you uh, bind the strong man, you can spoil his house. We need to become prayers so we can bind the strong man of activity against us so we can spoil the house of the enemy and bring about God's economy and will on the earth and in America. Come on. Church, this is our hour. Remain standing if you would. Put your hand in your heart. Lord, we, we accept the commission, Lord. We accept the mandate to be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth, subdue it, and take dominion. Lord, we, we accept the commission to protect the seed. Preserve the seed. Fight the enemy for the seed. And Lord, today we stand, we say, Lord, here we are. It's much like Isaiah chapter 6. Here am I, Lord, send me. Lord, I pray that each one of us would take up our assignment. Lord, speak to us. doesn't matter which one, who it is. Speak to all of us. And may we do the will of God as God's kids. As citizens of the kingdom of God. With a mission and a mandate. We've been commissioned to do this. Lord, help us. Let this church be known as the commissioned church that comes against evil and works the works of God. Now, with every head bowed, anyone here, you're not sure if you died today where you'd go, heaven, hell, but you know you want to be a part of the kingdom of God. You never really made a commitment to God, but you want to do it today. You've heard the word. Now you want to join this army. If that's you, on the count of three, on the count of three, lift your hands. One, two, three. Anybody like that? Just lift your hand right now. Say, I want, I want to join the kingdom of God. I see one. I see two. 
three. Who else? Who else? I see at least three hands. Anybody else? Anybody else? Four. Anyone else? Five. You may put your hands down. Okay, church, let's pray this way. Would everyone pray this prayer with me? Dear Father, commission me. Cleanse me by your blood. Set me into the kingdom and place me in your house. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you're the Lord and Savior of my life. Make me a brand new person. I commit my life completely to you from this day on in Jesus' name. Amen. Now give the Lord a clap. Thank him today. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.